Welcome to the Staff Room with Che and Pav. Thank you for joining us for our sixth episode. Wow, I can't believe it's already our sixth episode on the power of read-alouds in middle school. My name is Pav and I am half of the amazing hosting team of this awesome show. My partner is Mr. Che Cheney, and he's sitting here right next to me. So I'm going to ask him to say hi. Mr. Cheney, say hello. Let's get ready to rumble. Episode six means that we're six months in there, right? Six I'm months in. pretty sure the original plan was <laughs> one a month. One a month. That didn't quite go according to plan. We are now into our sixth week. So we've started doing one episode a week, and now we're into our sixth week, sixth episode. We've done a bunch of interludes in between. Some um, of us have done more interludes than the rest of us. A few bonus, bonus interludes. Welcome to the staff room with Cheney and Wander. Take a sip of that coffee. If you don't have coffee, don't like coffee, try a protein-based smoothie that'll get you going and keep you strong for the rest of the day. All right, so we are no laughing yet. No, not yet. I did Too not, soon. No, that's you didn't it. even make a that's joke it. yet, and I started laughing. Must be my hairline. So we are ready to talk today about uh, read-alouds, the power of read-alouds, specifically in the middle school area, as you and I both teach middle school, and the whole premise of our podcast is middle school, but of course it goes far beyond just middle school, but that's where we're at today. We want to talk about read-alouds. We want to have some discussion about do we use them, how we use them, what has been the benefits of using them. Um, so just that, we want to talk about read-alouds. Pat, why don't you get us started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure a lot of teachers are thinking, okay, what's the big deal? It's a read-aloud. You're a teacher. Obviously, you read aloud to your class. I think that a lot of um, people associate reading aloud to students with younger grades, and obviously that's true. Um, I've been reading aloud to my class and I started teaching when, um, I started teaching grade six when I started teaching and I taught grade six for a long time. Um, read alouds are kind of, um, in there in grade six, you can still, you know, do a read aloud and not feel kind of strange about it. Um, but I think when you get into grade seven and eight, teachers stop associating, uh, teaching language with reading aloud to your class. A few paragraphs here and there, sure. You're reading a lot more nonfiction, you're reading from textbooks, so perhaps you're doing a little bit of reading aloud in that sense. But I don't think that there are a lot of middle school teachers that read novels aloud to their class. Um, and that's something that I've always done since the beginning of my teaching career, and I never really thought anything strange of it. Until I started to come across people who taught middle school that didn't read aloud. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the value that I have gotten out of reading aloud to my class in just a little bit. But um, Che, did you always start off teaching with reading aloud? Like when you started teaching, were read alouds grade six, seven, eight? I know you taught grade six in the very beginning, but did you read aloud to your class in the very beginning? I did teach grade six briefly, moved up to eight right away. And not only have I taught read alouds, but read alouds have just been almost the foundation of my English program. Because we're going to talk about later the expansion of a fun, engaging, culture building, class connecting read aloud just makes a very natural progression to lessons and activities and engagements. So ultimately, I never thought it was a thing to not read to older kids. I'd always done it. It always been instinct instinctive. But I think also as we sort of prep for this episode, you do a lot of reading, a lot of articles talking about stressing the value in 
reading to students and having read-alouds to older students because, like you said, it's not actually a common practice. And not because people don't want to do it. Middle school timetabling is different. Rotation makes it different. You said there's so much more variety of texts that have to be written, uh, read, and, and work done with that often we just assume that there's no place or no time for nice narrative, nice chapter book. I think, and I also think that a lot of middle school teachers try to graduate their students into more independent reading by the time they get into grades six, seven, and eight. So it's not so much about the teacher leading the reading anymore. They they sort of hope that students have gotten to a point where they are doing a lot more independent reading. And so that's that's what they try to strive for. And that's where they try to play students, which is still very important. But I think that uh, the read aloud kind of loses its place in middle school language programs. The literature circles, for sure. I can I remember uh, the templates and the documents you could use to facilitate them. And it comes down to, you're right, like those are all valuable uh, reading experiences. But if we connect to previous podcasts, we talked about sort of class culture, uh, shared experiences. Um, we can talk in a little bit about extension of technology to great devices or great uh, activities. I know that the class read aloud is it's fun and it's engaging and it becomes a shared experience. It's a shared novel. And so you can make constant references to characters in the book, connections um, of things going on in your classroom. The, the, the book becomes a talking point, which you can talk about as you're reading the book, but it becomes something you can constantly talk upon and draw upon as the ear, either in a serious situation or even in a non-serious situation where you can all connect to the class and say, oh, remember this moment in the book? So I found a lot of power in the read-alouds and just creating this class culture, these shared experiences, um, which is a theme I've been talking on the last couple of podcasts, where our students and, and me as a teacher, we all share the story of the book. We can all connect to it in the moment and then in these little brief moments on the side. That's right. Um, just touching on what you're talking about in regards to creating the classroom culture and classroom community, I have found that uh, having a read-aloud in my class really brings all of us together. I mean, for one thing, everybody is listening and I never make it a stressful situation. I mean, I tell my class, all right, I'm going to, we're going to do a little bit of a read aloud, you know, 20 minutes at a time. It doesn't need to be a lot longer than that. Um, and we, and I say, you know what, put your head down if you want to, you don't have to be sitting up completely attentive, you know, staring right at me while you're listening. Listen, however you feel comfortable listening. If you need to close your eyes so that you are you are really creating that imagery in your mind, close your eyes, put your head down, um, and and just listen to me read and try to envision everything that I'm saying to you. Um, and so we re we really create a community, and a lot of students appreciate those 20, 25 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, how much ever time we get to just. Um, decompress a little bit. It's it's a little bit of a de-stressing time. In my um, last interlude, just a little a little uh, reference back to that, I talked a lot. I talked about how I was away from my class for a long period of time, and coming back to my class, um, it was the after yesterday afternoon is when I finally got back to my class after three or four days of not being with them, and. I said to them, I've been away from you guys. Before we even talk about what you guys did over the last couple of days without me here, I'm going to read aloud to you. So everybody just kind of relax. Um, we're not going to touch anything in the classroom. No cleaning, no organizing, no planning, no nothing. Um, I'm going to read to you for 15 minutes. 
And we're going to get back into this book that we started and we lost touch with. So we're going to read and then we will get back into our programming. So it was a real good way for me to reconnect my class community, to get us, to get our culture back, to get our community, sense of community and sense of uh, belonging back with each other and just reconnecting with myself as well. Middle school teachers, don't doubt that your kids won't thrive and listen to every part of that story, regardless of what their body language is saying. I think about all my years of teaching this or that, this has worked, this hasn't worked. Read alouds have almost always worked, almost never a negative experience. Your kids, your 13 or 14 year olds, even if they aren't aware that they want to be read to, they want to be read to, they want a story. It's always, always a positive experience. They're engaged, they're into it, and they'll enjoy the book in a variety of different ways. When I read a couple of my books, which one, Eric Walter's Rebound, uh, Amy Goldman Cost, The Cheat, are two big ones that I read. I have a full class set available to a student if they want to read aloud. I read with me, sorry. But then I also say, you don't need this. I'm going to do the reading. And I want to stress, you as a teacher, when you read that book, read with passion. I got to hear on my little note today, it's like a dramatization. When I'm in character, and I like to think I'm in character when I'm reading these stories, it's passion. It's over the top. It's exuberance. It's almost like the kids are listening to a radio show. One of the advantages, actually, to reading a book that you've read a couple of times, maybe it gets a little dry to you as a teacher, but I find that I've read certain books. Eric Walters, as an example, has tons of books, so many great books, but I always fixate on Rebound. And I fixate on it because I've read it so many times that I know where I can just expand on the story, expand on the characters. I once had a student teacher in my room and they were following the book as I was reading it. And they said, wow, you read so well, but I, I can't quite follow. Are you, are you adding things? Do you have the same version? And I said, you know what? In my dramatization of the story and having read it before, I'm comfortable knowing where I can add on to the character, add on to a situation. And so even in my read aloud, in my passion to read aloud, I'm expanding the story, just getting so vigorously into it. You as a teacher, your students are going to buy in, and when you read it, go for it. Read it with such enthusiasm that it's like your dramatization. It's a radio program. I want to touch on two things that you mentioned. One was uh, the fact that you have enough copies in your class for the class to follow along if they want to, um, but they don't need to. Uh, I agree with you 100%. There are some kids in the class that are really great listeners. And they can really pay attention when you are reading to them aloud and they are able to pick up on everything that you're saying. If you're like me, though, sometimes you tune out. Sometimes the thoughts in your head get in the way. And so you need to follow along with the words in order to actively be listening. So what I like to do, especially if I don't have enough copies of the book that I'm reading, right now I'm reading... Um, Marcus Zusak's uh, The Book Thief. And uh, I, this is the first time that I'm reading this as a read aloud. It is a long story. And I've told my class that it might take us a couple of months to get through the entire book, but that's okay. We're going to take our time with it and we're really going to get into it as much as possible. Um, what I like to do is I like to read from my iPad. So I download a PDF file of the book um, and then I, I shoot it up onto the screen so that they are following along while I am reading the book. And um, some people really appreciate being able to read the book along with you while you are um, while you are reading. So I, I do like to do that for them so that the students that 
find that they need that they can follow along. And the second thing that I wanted to um, add on to with what Che was saying is the dynamic reading. Che is a great, uh, he reads aloud very well. He does dramatize the stories. I also try to do that very well. And you're completely right. The more times you've read a story, the better you are going to be at dramatizing that story and really emphasizing the words that need emphasizing and, and pointing out the things as you're reading that you want students to grasp onto as well because you know that they're going to be important themes in the novel. So I find that that really helps as well. So don't make it boring. You have to be a dynamic reader. If you are, if you are just mon monotonously reading that book, they're going to tune you out and be doing other things. So you really, really have to use your inflection, use your dynamic reading skills to, to really make it pop. I would like to talk about my favorite books next. And that's an exactly the way that you should not read a book. Please listen to me. I have a couple of great books about that I'll talk about. Yeah. I have been fixated and love the book Rebound by Eric Walters. Like I said, he's got tons of books and and much many more books that are much more current. But I've always loved this story about the kid in the wheelchair and the basketball theme. Because the kid in the wheelchair struggling to find his identity, uh, wanting to be accepting. And although it's a kid in a wheelchair, and we talk about our kid with our students about, you know, how do I connect to this story? The wheelchair becomes symbolic of any group or person that feels that they're just not getting the acceptance they want. And so I've stuck to this book because the theme is so critical. So I love Eric Walters. I love the book Rebound. Other book I read is The Cheat by Amy Goldman Koss. And it is another older book. But it is a really fun book, and it's great for a read-aloud. It might not be the most complex story with the greatest theme, but in regards to simple character development and just building a love of listening and reading a story, the cheat is fantastic. As no chapter is, is labeled chapter one, two, three, four, every chapter is the perspective of a certain character. So it's Amy, Dan. Ruby and each character has a very distinct flavor to which the chapter is uh, written, and then it makes it really fun to dramatize. And those two stories have been two wonderful hooks in my class for 10, 12 years. Just such positive experience with those two books, great storytelling, and great themes, especially on the rebound side. For me, for my class, it becomes sort of the more serious book to go through, and the cheat becomes a really fun book to go to. And in a few moments, I'll talk about, for you know us teachers that love to be able to make activities and extensions from these books, how I've extended these activities to really tap into some technology, some photography, some really cool things that even add to the book, and again, add to the classroom culture, those shared experiences. Yep, and um, you know, there are some other ways to make sure that your your read-alouds with your class are uh, are meaningful, um, another one of those ways is uh, is to not wreck it. Don't wreck your read-aloud. You know, people get really caught up in when when they're doing a read-aloud. Well, I got to touch on all of the important things with a read-aloud, right? With if, if you're doing a novel study, you want to touch on you know character and setting and plot and all of those things. Don't get too caught up on all of that because. As you're reading, you're going to feel like, oh, this is a really good time for me to stop and talk about, you know, this theme or, you know, this this is a good example of how the genre really shines through and blah, blah, blah. Don't wreck it. Just read. You know, let don't. The, no, sorry, Bob. I'm going to cut you off. You're right. Just let the kids enjoy the story. We teach them in, I don't want to say micromanage, but we're all over them 
all the time. Sometimes you just got to read and love the experience because they'll come back later and you'll be able to teach them those things when you need to. Just get them involved, engaged, and loving the whole reading experience. That's right. I, I try very hard not to stop while I'm reading to explain something. Um, when I usually do is at the end of a chapter or a natural pause. Um, for example, I'll, and this is just, it's on the top of my mind, which is why I'll bring it up with the book Thief. And I'm sorry if you haven't read the book, but I'm just going to give a little tidbit away. But it's a very obvious tid tidbit. There's Someone steals the book. Someone yeah. steals the book. Ah, very good. Uh, good inferencing from the title. <laughs> so and then if I look at the cover of this book, <laughs> it's like, bush. But look at the cover of this book. All of a sudden, I see these dominoes, and I guess once one book goes, they all start to go down. They all start oh, to go. Oh boy! Look at that. That that's a, those are some pretty good skills. Um, in the prologue of the book, you're introduced to the narrator of the story. So the whole prologue is about the narrator explaining sort of what the story is going to be about, and it's really interesting because the narrator is a very special character, and um, the narrator does not give himself away in the prologue. You have to infer who that narrator is by reading it. And so I read the entire prologue, and at the end of every every little mini chapter in the prologue, I stopped and I said, have you guys figured out who the narrator is yet? And the class is just looking at me like, no, no, no. Okay, we're going to keep reading, and you can see if you can figure it out in the next chapter. We get through the entire prologue, and by the end of the prologue, I ask the same question again. Somebody puts their hand up and says, I don't think this is right, but is the narrator death? And I said, you know what? You hit the nail on the head. It's actually correct. And so they picked up on all the cues. They're listening to that prompting question. So they knew it was going to be something interesting and not, you know, just a regular character. It's somebody interesting. So they were able to pick that up. And so you throw in the prompts at the right time. You know, don't bog it down with, uh, okay, get the get your sticky notes out. And every time you hear something interesting or a word you don't know, write it down. Because they're going to start focusing on that and not actually listening to the story. Listening to a story is like watching a movie. You don't want to be interrupted by people throwing popcorn at the screen. That's not what you're there to do. You, you want to actually enjoy the story itself. Although seven people were actually at the movie to, to throw popcorn. That's right. That's why they you went were there. Probably one Listen, of them. let's spend twelve dollars to get into the movie, yes. another eighteen dollars for popcorn, and then we'll throw it at the screen. We'll throw it at the screen when we don't like what's happening. You know what? As I diverge away from my notes here, remind me because you know what? I've walked up to your class, I've got to give you a photocopy, gotta pass a message. And if you're teaching math or science, not that I interrupt, but I never feel like I'm interrupting. But when I walked in one day and you're in the library reading to your class, you walk in the door and you just stop. Because the class is in on every word and you're reading with such passion. And even as a, uh, someone that's just walking by and seeing it, you see the difference. You see that level of engagement and you just stop. And then I just backpedal and I try to find you later. Which is, <laughs> we found you. We got the paperwork done. Don't yes. worry. We're good for our field trip <laughs> this good. week. Paperwork signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> um, back to Eric Walters. Back to... Amy Goldman costs on these tasks. So we talked about not overburdening them. Just let them enjoy the story. I have, agree with that a thousand percent, but I've done some extension activities and some extension activities that have actually led all the way to interactions on the social media scene with Eric Walters and Amy Goldman costs. You know that I'm big on videography. I'm big on photography. And although they're associated with the arts, 
I've come to connect them back to our read aloud. One of my classes, ultimate tasks in the first few months of school is when I teach a big unit on photography. And then we come back to Eric Walter's book. I said, you know what? Instead of doing typical retail questions, right? You don't want to make the book boring. You have to find fun ways to get kids to express and connect with the book. I've done this photography lesson where then I say, you know what? Create three dynamic pictures for three very specific and articulate quotes from the book and then design it, create the photo, put the text on the photo, and let's design a package of these three wonderful photos. It is a assignment that every year produces some of the greatest work the class will produce each year. They get so into the photography, they're so deep into the book trying to find just the great quote to put on their picture, and they take that great photo and they come with this great collection of photos. It is uh, amazing the work that I've done with Eric Walter's book Rebound with photography. And then with you got that social media, you go at Eric Walter's, you send him a few pictures of the pictures your kids the kids have taken on his book and he gives you a little retweet and it just validates those kids experience with the book. It's so easy in today's world to reach out to authors and make connections. For Amy Goldman Koss's book The Cheat, it played out perfectly to making a movie trailer about the book The Cheat. And I got some absolutely stunning movie trailers. I think we might as well put those links. I'm pretty sure I got them on YouTube. Yeah, if you've got uh, them, we got to put them up. And not not that I reached out to Amy Goldman Cost, but she found those videos that had been posted and said, those are amazing. Can I use that trailer on my Facebook page? And of course, we said absolutely yes. And the students, again, were validated by just having this great positive experience with the author of the book based on a really creative task they had done that was inspired by just a fun and engaging and love of reading moment, the read aloud. And so as extension activities, big photo assignment, big videography assignment have been these great breakout moments for classes year after year, just an extension of just class read alouds where we're simply reading for the enjoyment of reading. And what I want to also say about when you do a read aloud versus give a, give a bunch of kids a, uh, a book to read, they're not burdened by having to now do the reading before they can do the activity. Reading is, I mean, it shouldn't be, but some kids really, really hate it and it's very hard for them. And so when you when you're choosing books, you can you can pick whichever book is interesting to your class and interesting to you. And in Che's case, he's got books that he's been doing for a couple of years and has really built upon the assignments that he's extending with those books. For myself, I've used um, in the past when I taught grade six, I always like to go up a level or two with my reading level in, in a book if I'm going to do a read aloud. Because if I'm reading the book to them, I don't have to worry so much about them not understanding because I'm going to assist them in understanding. And my ability to read dynamically is going to add to their understanding of the book because it's not just two-dimensional. You're reading it in a very, very dynamic way, and they're going to be able to understand it a little bit better. So you're able to now extend the novel in a much more interesting and exciting way. It's not just ending a book with a book report and, you know, find 10 vocabulary words that you didn't know before or, you know, find the major themes of the story or, you know, it's not to say that book reports can be boring, but book reports can be boring. So it's finding these extensions that you normally couldn't do if you were assigning a novel study 
they become so much more meaningful because the book is a lot more, it's a lot easier to understand when you have, when you have read it aloud to them. The, the, the data is in, especially even in those middle school students, that middle school students are going to learn at a higher level of comprehension, even through listening and audio before they can do it, pick it up by reading themselves. And I think, as you said, it alluded to earlier, the younger grades, we read aloud and we anticipate that they understand it at a higher level. That trend continues so that even by grade eight, the stats will tell you, is that kids still are learning better. When you talked about fluency, when you read with fluency and they hear it, they pick it up more so than if they were reading themselves. Not that our read-alouds are about whether they get it, but in terms of when you talk about reading at a level a little bit higher, they're going to get it and enjoy the story, which they might not be able to get and enjoy if they were reading it themselves. That's right. And I just wanted to throw in a quick little anecdote. I was getting to it in a, in a uh, just previously. Um, when I taught grade six, I, I always read the same, well, I, I shifted through a couple of different books, but one of the books that I read quite a bit was The Giver by Lois Lowry. Um, it's a fantastic book and um, it is a little bit older for, it's, it's a little bit more complicated for grade six students. So I wouldn't necessarily assign it as a novel study for students to read. It's a little bit tougher. The vocabulary is a little bit tougher. The concept's a little bit harder. But with one of the groups that uh, read the story, we started talking about one of the major themes of the book, um, which would be utopian versus dystopian societies. And um, we got into it and kids were interested in the idea, the notion of these, of this particular genre of, uh, I guess, science fiction, realistic fiction, historical fiction. Um, and, uh, and we really, really were able to delve into um, this conversation. We were able to discuss talking about utopian societies and the concept and the history be behind, you know, why do people write about utopian societies or dystopian societies? And so I, this is never a conversation that I ever thought I'd be having with a group of grade six kids. These are 11 year olds. And uh, it's so beyond what I ever thought that we could talk about, but we were able to. And they got it and they understood it. And I think this is a group that you have now in grade eight. So, you know, on Tuesday, you should ask them about it. Hey, what do you think of Blade Runner? Pardon me, Mr. Cheney? Yeah. Blade Runner. They probably like, oh, you mean the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And I'll be like, oh, yes, of course, that's what I meant. Exactly. You know what? I, I have an anecdotal story that's not quite as, you know, in a, in as sophisticated as yours, per se. I just remember reading the rebound, reading the cheat. And sometimes, you know, you got to go for it. You got to have a read. And most of my experiences are positive. But I once had another teacher come in the room and they took their comments and their comments, that book's so old. You can't be reading that. You got to change it. And I, it's one of those like, well, got to change it. Do you not see these kids engaged? Do you not ask a few more questions to see all these other things we're doing? Because when you can link photography and videography, and I comment that as we were grade eight, it's a graduation year. We've had students come back that do the photography for our graduation. They've picked up a craft. They've picked up a skill. They have a skill set building towards a job, a career. And you go back and you say, well, when did this start? This started when we were reading Rebound, Mr. Cheney. And I said, one, wonderful. But I come back to the part of the story is read allows essential you should do. If someone comes in and you feel a little hesitant, you sort of get that negative reaction, stick to it. Don't give up on it. And don't give up on your books. They don't have to be the hippest, coolest books in order to deliver 
great impact on your classroom. You, the kids are going to be hooked by the storytelling. And when you add a few really creative tasks along with the book, it's just going to enhance the whole story. And it's something that sticks for the class the entire year. I can talk about photography with students that graduated from my class five or six or seven years ago. And students from five or six or seven years ago will come back and say, do you still have that photo we took, Mr. Cheney? And I'll be able to pull out that photo. And, and the photo is all an extension of just a read aloud and just enjoyment of a book. They were excited to learn that skill and, and demonstrate it from the book we were reading. And that all comes back to, I think, you know, uh, building classroom culture. You've created a culture where kids actually like and they are learning from the extensions that you've created for them. And they're able to develop those further. They're able to build upon them. They're able to continue them. And they become hobbies and they become things that they're into in the future. And they're excited about coming back to talk to you, but they're never going to forget you, first of all. So, um, I mean, it's all positive and it's all fantastic. And uh, I think that we're approaching our time limit. 30-minute max. $100 bill, y'all. <laughs> so uh, we are going to wrap up here. I uh, hope you enjoyed our talk about read-alouds. And I hope you're able to tell how passionate we are about read-alouds. And maybe you'll pick up a book if you're an educator and read to your class. Uh, you know, something fun and interesting, something that you enjoy. Any last words, Jay? No, check our links, check Twitter, check Facebook, check Instagram. I think we'll post some of those pics of those photo assignments uh, that I've done with Eric Walters, a YouTube link to the, the cheat video trailer I made of Amy Goldman Koss's book. But ultimately, another great podcast, having a great time doing it. Great way of just fine-tuning my own teaching skills as I reflect as I talk. So remember to... Inspire. Don't require. <laughs>